Well, good morning, Burlington Baptist Church. We welcome one and all, and I'm glad some of you stayed home this weekend. You're like Joyce and I didn't have any place to go, <laughs> so you're here, and we are grateful. I want to echo everything that Jeff said in the opening about, about our, those men and women who have died to we can be here today. July the 3rd, I had a cousin that we were like brothers. We grew up together. July the 3rd, three years ago, I buried him, and he was a veteran of Vietnam. He had been wounded twice. He received a bronze star for his bravery. And when he came home, he was not the same person that we sent to Vietnam. We sent a sweet, lovable boy, and a stranger came home. He never knew how to conquer his post-traumatic syndrome, and he conquered it with the only way that he could, and it killed him. And so I will remember Curtis Bullock tomorrow and a few days, and I know you have loved ones that you will remember uh, as well. And uh, I hope that you will understand this is not just a day off, and enjoy your picnics and enjoy your family, but take time to remember what it is all about. We're here because... They are laying in a grave somewhere. Amen. Well, this is the last sermon in the series on uh, what about heaven. And today we're going to try to answer the question, what is the new heaven and the new earth? And let me warn you right up front, this is not a sermon. This will be more like a lesson. And uh, we will get into some definitions that uh, I'll tell you to turn up your thinking cap with me, and uh, so you'll stay, stay with me. And I warn you, up to, it's, it's more of a lesson. I, ought, I almost did not do it, but then I got to thinking, well, you can't wrap it up with anything other than the new heaven and the new earth. And so uh, you, just, you just stick with me. After the first service, a lot of people thought that this is my last Sunday here because Greg announced that next Sunday you'll be trying out a candidate for the pulpit here. No, this is, will not be my last Sunday. My last Sunday here will be Father's Day, and uh, then I will leave t- on 23rd of June to go t- to Vienna, Austria to teach. We have a seminary there, and somebody's got to go to that place. And uh, <laughs> I said, Lord, here am I, send me. And uh, I've been going to Vienna to teach. We have a graduate school, and it's accredited graduate school, and our students come. From the mostly come from the old Eastern Bloc countries. Uh, we last year, I had four students in my class that drove 36 straight hours from Siberia to be there, and I told them I wouldn't drive across the road to hear me teach. <laughs> and those guys drove 36 hours. When they got out of the car, we said, "Go take a bath," <laughs> and they drove 36 hours back. And the students are wonderful. So I will leave uh, the 23rd and be gone. And then uh, hopefully you'll have your new pastor. And, and as much as Joyce and I love to worship with you, we'll stay away for maybe one or two Sundays. And <laughs> No, really, really. Uh, let's pray and then we will get into this. Father, we thank you. 
for the freedom that we enjoy and for the opportunities that we have in this country to flourish as a nation and as a people. We thank you for the security of our land, the security that comes at great cost to those soldiers and sailors and flyboys and girls that we honor and remember today. Today we remember with great gratitude those who gave up all of their tomorrows so that we could live today. And even as we remember those who gave their lives in the past, we think about those who are serving our country today, particularly those in harm's way. Protect them, encourage them, be with their families as they're separated, and bring them home safely and soon. And Father, we long for the day when nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Now, Father, pour through me the gift of preaching. Take these human words and use them to speak to us today and give each of us just the message you want us to hear because we pray to you in the name of Jesus and all God's people join me and said, Amen. What if we don't go up to heaven? What if heaven comes down to us? What if we don't go up to heaven? What if heaven comes down to us? So today I want to deal with that. What about this new heaven and new earth? What are the mysteries about this new heaven and the new earth? So let's begin with this question. What is the new earth? What is it? Now throughout the Bible, God always promised that in the future, God's people isn't just made from the earth, we were made for the earth. And God's purpose for us was not to be a non-earth people, but to be a earth people. And when it comes to this new heaven and the new earth, Isaiah foretold it. He was one of the prophets, many of the prophets who foretold it. Listen to what he said. Isaiah 66 verse 17. Look, I am creating new heavens and new earth, and no one will ever think about the old ones anymore. Now, God's purpose was to live in intimate fellowship with mankind on an earth that was not cursed. Adam and Eve, since Adam and Eve, everything has been different. The fall changed everything. You know, I've often said, if I was Adam and Eve, I'd go to the backside of heaven for a long time and hang out there and hide because I want to talk to them about that. And a lot of us want to talk to them about the fall. Uh, and so, so after they fell, everything changed. But the fall did not alter God's original purpose. The Old Testament prophets, Isaiah and Daniel and Ezekiel, foretold a world that once again will be the world that God intended it to be. The prophets predicted the restoration of the world that God created in the beginning. So this doctrine of the new heaven and the new earth was foretold. Isaiah foretold it. But you, you don't have to just rely on Old Testament prophets. John actually saw it. John saw it. In Revelation 21, this is John, Then I saw the new heaven and the new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was no more. Remember that. Then I saw the holy city, 
the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. So what if we don't go up to heaven? What if it comes down to us? So Isaiah foretold the new heaven and the new earth. John actually saw the new heaven and the new earth, and Peter preached it. Peter preached it. Look at Peter, 2 Peter 3. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives we should live. Listen, remember that. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised. A world filled with God's righteousness. So Peter says we are eagerly anticipating and we should be eagerly anticipating the new heaven and the new earth. Isaiah foretold the new heaven and new earth. John actually saw the new heaven and the new earth. And then Peter preached the new heaven and the new earth. Now, second question. Where is the new earth? Where is it? Now, hang on. Hang on. You're on it. You're on it. Now, keep listening. Keep listening. The Bible does not teach that God's original plan failed. The second coming of Jesus will bring about a complete redemption of everything under the curse, including creation. Not only will we be freed from the curse of sin, so will nature be freed from the curse of sin that came because of Adam and Eve's sin. Ragweeds and Johnson grass and, and mosquitoes and bees and all of that stuff was cursed. The earth was cursed. That's why we have all that. Look at what, but it's going to be redeemed. Look at Romans 8. Against its will, that's nature. Against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse when Adam and Eve fell. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Creation itself is groaning under the curse of sin, waiting to be freed from that curse of sin just like we are. Now, did God make the earth just to incinerate it? Well, you might be thinking, well, the apostle Peter said everything would be destroyed by fire. Well, that's good thinking. Let's read it. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Now let's go back to Science 101. What did we learn? Fire can't alienate a matter. It just gives it another form. Isn't that right? We learned that in Science 101. So I don't believe that the Bible teaches that the fire that destroys the earth will be punitive, but the fire that comes on the earth will purge the earth and cleanse the earth. Now let me show you why this earth will be a new earth once it's cleansed by fire. Now here's where the, 
the definitions of words come in. All right, are you with me? I know, I know you stayed up too late last night. And so, hang on with me. You need to pay attention really close. I got three words I need to define that will open up this whole business of the new heaven and the new earth. Let's explain the word new. In the language of the New Testament, which is Greek, there are two words for new. One meant new in time, something that never existed before. New in time, never existed. The other word new was new in quality, new in quality. When the apostles talk about the new heaven and the new earth, and they use the word new, it is the word new in quality. Not new like it never existed before, but new in quality. Now, you ladies say the same thing. You say, oh, come over and see my new kitchen. Now, you don't mean a kitchen that never existed before. You're talking about a new kitchen that has a completely new look. A better example of this is right out of the Scriptures. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. The word new creation there is new in quality. When you became a Christian, did you become a different human being? Did you become a human being that never existed before? No, 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 no. You were the same person. But now you're new in quality. Why? Because your sins have been forgiven. And now the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. So when the apostles say new earth, he is not saying an earth that never existed before, but he's talking about an earth that has been cleansed and changed, new in quality. Let me give you another argument. Are you with me? Let's talk about the word destroyed. When Peter says in 2 Peter 3, verses 3 through 8, that God destroyed the earth by water. Did the earth disappear? Did the earth that, that Noah and them, did it, did it disappear? No, no, it did not disappear. What did God do? God just purged that earth of everything that was evil so that it could be repopulated by the righteous sons and daughters of God. Peter uses the same word destroyed when he says the earth is going to be destroyed by fire. Destroyed means God is going to purge this earth so it can be re-inhabited by his children. Are you with me? One more, one more definition. Let's explain the creation, the redemption rather. In Romans 8, verses 20 through 22. Paul compares the redemption of our bodies with the redemption of creation. Now, what's going to happen when Jesus comes back? God is going to bring our spirits with him, our souls with him. Our bodies are going to be joined with our spirit. And you will still be you. When your body comes out of that grave... You will still be you, new and glorious, a glorified body just like Jesus. 
See, creation has the same hope of redemption that we do. God is going to redeem his creation from the curse of sin because everything under, everything here now is under the curse. And God's going to redeem creation like he redeems us from the curse. Now, the hymn book has taught us this longer than we realize. 300 years ago, Isaac Watts wrote one of our favorite Christmas carols, Joy to the World. There is a stanza in that song that says, No more let sin and sorrow reign, or thorns infest the ground. He, God, makes his blessing flow as far as the curse is found. God is going to redeem every atom that has been cursed by the fall of Adam and Eve. There will be no atom that God ever created, small, minute, that will be able to say, God can't redeem this. I'm so corrupted that God can't redeem this. No, 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 no. God will <clears throat> redeem this earth as far as the curse is found. Now, that has always been the promise. God will not let Satan win the battle for the earth. If God has to destroy this beautiful creation that he has made, then the devil has had the last word. The devil has won. But the devil does not get the last word. Amen? God will redeem creation as far, as remote, as deep. As the curse is found. So I believe the heaven that is now will make a dramatic move down to earth. Now in the Bible, in the Bible, heaven and earth are separated until you get to Revelation, the 21st chapter. And in Revelation, the 21st chapter, the new heaven and the new earth come down and heaven and earth are joined. Now, we've been singing this for years in the song, This Is My Father's World. There's a stanza in there that said, Jesus who died will be satisfied and heaven and earth be one. So, the new heaven, new earth is going to come down. Heaven and earth will become one. All right. You've been very good. You've been very good. You're probably wore out from listening. So take a deep breath before we go on, because I've laid some heavy stuff on you. Let's answer this question. How will the new earth be unlike the old earth? How will this new earth be unlike this old earth? John says in Revelation 21.1, the sea will be removed. How unlike it will be? The sea will be removed. Look at this. Then I saw the new heaven and the new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. Now, why no sea? Why no sea? Read the book of Revelation, and you will discover that the Jews believed that the sea was an evil place. They believed evil beasts dwelt there. The Hebrews believed that the sea was a symbol of evil. The Jews were not a seafaring people. 
because they believed that the sea was evil. So John says, the sea was also gone. And I know what you're thinking because I think the same thing. You say, well, that's a bummer. No more ocean? I love the ocean. No more ocean? Well, I understand that. I love the ocean as much as you do. I love to get up before daylight and go down to the ocean and just me and the ocean and the sunrise. Woo! You talk about times of great worship beside the sea. I, that's some of my greatest times of worship beside the sea. But there's not going to be any more sea. Now, why is that? One reason we have a salt sea that covers most of the planet is because it is God's antiseptic to cleanse the earth and make life on the earth possible. You see, it's the ocean that purges, that cleanses, and preserves the earth. You see, the sea is an antiseptic. When all that pollution and all that filth pours into it, it's absorbed and cleansed and changed, except for plastic. Have you seen that picture of that plastic? It was for miles on the top of the ocean. That's so sad. But in the new earth, There will be no need for cleansing because there's no pollution in it. There's no filth in it. There's no need to cleanse the new earth. So that's why there's no more sea. Now, Ray Stedman was a great Bible preacher. And in his commentary, he says something that's very interesting. And I I hope it comes to pass. He says, though we are not told this, I think there will be large bodies of fresh water larger even perhaps than the great lakes that we may enjoy in the new heaven and the new earth. Isn't that a good thought? And I hope that 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 comes true. I hope that's true. But uh, he's just speculating. Now, how will the new earth be unlike the old earth? The sea will be removed. And the new Jerusalem will be revealed. The new Jerusalem will be revealed. Look at this. Revelation 21, 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Now, the word prepared there implies that the new Jerusalem has been completed. John didn't say, I saw it being created, or I saw it being made, or I saw it being built. He said, I saw it already, coming down out of heaven. So when the new heaven... And the new earth are created. The new Jerusalem is going to come down out of heaven where it has been completed waiting for the second coming of Jesus. Does that make sense? When Jesus told the disciples in that beautiful passage in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. That's what he's talking about. That's what he was talking about. He's referring to the new Jerusalem that he was preparing. All right, let's do a little review. How will the new earth be unlike this old earth? The sea will be removed. The new Jerusalem will be revealed. And the curse will be reversed. The curse that started in Genesis will be reversed in the new heaven and the new earth. Look at Revelation 22, 3. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God and the Lamb will be there and his servants will worship him. We have no idea, no idea 
the huge difference that will make. We can't even put our arms around the difference that we will make. The curse in Genesis will be reversed. Look at the screen. No longer will the in Genesis we see in Genesis we see the first paradise closed. In Revelation we see the new paradise open. In Genesis we find the curse of human sin. In Revelation we see the curse removed. In Genesis we see the evil of triumph, the evil triumph of Satan. In Revelation we see the <clears throat> ultimate triumph of the lamb in genesis god walks with man god's walk with man was interrupted in revelation god's walk with man resumes so the curse will be reversed in his book roy alcorn in his book heaven the one i have uh, recommended to you that you read somebody came up to me after service says wow what a book and let me continue to recommend to you Roy Alcorn it's just called heaven Roy Alcorn says this quote in Revelation 21 nothing impure will enter it nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life he goes on to say there will be nothing impure or unclean in heaven we will live in a world spiritually clean from pollution of all sin. Then he goes on to say this. In heaven there will be no funeral homes, no hospitals, no abortion clinics, no divorce courts, no brothels, no bankruptcy courts, no psychiatric wards, no treatment centers. In heaven there will be no pornography, no online porn, no teenage suicide, no AIDS, no cancer, no talk shows, no rape, no missing children, no drug problems, no drive-by shootings, no racial tension, and no prejudice. In heaven there will be no misunderstandings, no injustice, no depression, no hopeful words, no gossip, no hurt feelings, no worry, no emptiness, and no child abuse. In heaven there will be no wars, no financial worries, no emotional headaches, no physical pain, no spiritual dryness, no religious divisions, no murders, and no casseroles. That's just me. I just threw that in. He didn't say that, but I did. That's my hope. In heaven there will be no tears, no suffering, no separation, no starvation, no arguments, no accidents, no emergency departments, no doctors, no nurses, no heart monitors, no rust, no perplexing questions, no false teachers, no financial shortages, no hurricanes, no bad habits, no decay, no locks, and no security system. This would be a good place to say amen. amen. The curse will be reversed. Question number four. How will the new earth be like the old earth? We've seen how it will be unlike it. Now how will it be like it? All our senses will be engaged. Just like all of our senses are engaged here, they will be engaged there. We will see, we will smell, we will taste, we will touch, we will hear. And you young people here, listen. It won't be one long church service. All right. <laughs> Amen is right. It won't be one long church service. You know, that's what people think. Oh, it's just going to be one long church. No, 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 no. We are going to praise. We are going to worship. But we are going to work and play and learn and spend time with family and friends. And I got good news for you. Probably the best news today you're going to like. 
In heaven, we're going to eat not just to survive, but we're going to eat to enjoy it. Amen Amen is right. (laughs) Here we eat to survive, but there we're going to eat just to enjoy it. There's lots of Old Testament prophecies about this, but let me just pick out one. You're going to like this one. Isaiah 25, 6. On this mountain, the Lord of armies, the Lord of hosts, on this mountain in heaven, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, will prepare for all the peoples a feast of choice meats, a feast with aged wine, prime cuts of choice meat, and fine vintage wine. Two times he mentions wine. Some of you are looking forward to it already. Jesus told the church at Ephesus that they would eat at the tree of life. And it's got 12 kinds of fruit on it. And it's always blooming. In Revelation 21, 7, Jesus says, If you're faithful, I will give you some of the hidden manna. In Revelation 19, 9, it says, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And in Matthew, the 8th chapter, verse 11, Jesus says, we're going to come from the north and the south and the east and the west, and we're going to sit down and have supper with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of God. And one of the neatest things about heaven is that Jesus is going to have a table. Remember when he was with his disciples and he instituted the Lord's Supper? He said, I will not drink of this. He said, this is my blood. This is my body. But I will not drink of it until I sit with you at my table in the kingdom of God. Yeah. Now, you're going to have parties tomorrow. Some of you are going to have parties. That's good. Have parties. But what makes a good party? Good friends? Family? And what makes a good party? Good food. Who wants to have a party with, who wants to go to a party with bad food? Good food makes a good party. Good friends, good family, good fellowship, and good food. And there's going to be lots of parties in heaven and a lot of good food. And we're going to have great fellowship with family and friends. Now, how will the new earth be like the old earth? All our senses will be engaged. And we've talked about this next one. All God's creatures will be enjoyed. All God's creatures will be enjoyed. There will be animals in heaven. We've talked about that. They will be there for us to enjoy. The Old Testament prophets pronounced it. God made the world and one of his delights was the animal kingdom. And he loves the animal kingdom and takes care of it. And uh, God has a special affection, I believe, for the animal kingdom. In Genesis, he had Adam to name it, and then he had Noah to save it. And God cares about the welfare of the animal kingdom. He says, even one sparrow falls. I I notice it. You go back to the commandments, the Ten Commandments, and they were told to not do anything on the Sabbath day. But not only did people, but you read that, and it says, your animals are to rest as well. So I believe that animals will be in heaven And there may be new forms of life that we've never imagined. But I have to admit, I struggle with one thing. I'm not sure about cats. (laughs) If they're there, I hope they're not in my part of heaven. 
I'm sorry if you're a cat lover, don't write me any notes. If you want to write a note, send it to Jeff Perry. In care of Burlington Baptist Church, that's all the address you need. Now, when will the new earth appear? Let's go back to 2 Peter 3, verse 13. But we're looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised. A world filled with God's righteousness. The new earth will come with the second coming of Jesus. At the second coming of Jesus, our bodies that have been buried in some cemetery somewhere will be raised. God is going to bring our souls back with him. All those that have died, Paul says in Thessalonians, he's going to bring back with him. And at the second coming, our body and our souls are going to be joined and we are going to receive a glorified body just like the body of Jesus. And then the earth will be purged with fire. The earth will not be eliminated, but it will not be destroyed. It will be resurrected. It will be made new. Every curse will be taken away. And this is the victory that will be revealed. And it's a total victory. Both man and heaven and nature will be redeemed. And Satan will finally be exiled as a deposed dictator. And he'll be exiled to his hell. And we will enjoy the new heaven and the new earth. Wow. No wonder, no wonder, Peter said, we're looking forward to the new heaven and the new earth. Now you say, why is this important? Why is this important? I don't have time to deal deal with this. There's a lot of stuff going on after I get done. Let me just say that the new heaven declares God's total victory. The new heaven will declare God's total victory. Paul says in Colossians 1, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. God's victory will be complete as far as the curse is found. And then the new heaven and the new earth motivates us to purity. Motivates us to purity. When Peter talked about the second coming, when he talked about the new heaven and the new earth, he said, remember what kind of people you ought to be. You should live holy and godly lives. And one of the reasons we have an inadequate view of holiness is because we have an inadequate view of heaven. We've grown up thinking. We've grown up thinking that we're going to be just a bunch of spirits in one long church service, wearing white robes, plucking on harps, sitting on a cloud. I don't know where that came from. But I want to tell you, that does not motivate me to holy living. I don't want to go to a place like that. Holy mackerel. You're talking about boring. I, I want to go to a place where we will sing and where we'll fellowship and where we will eat as we've been talking about. And that kind of place motivates me to godly living. If you have a low view of holiness, you have a low view of heaven. Because if you have a high view of heaven, you're going to live a godly life. Well, the new earth invites community. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? 
we must think that the whole goal of God is not only the salvation of our souls, which was true, but the salvation of everything he created. Salvation is the means to the end. God's goal from the very beginning of creation was to have fellowship with his children. God has always wanted to dwell with us. And in the new heaven and the new earth, he will dwell with us and us with him. I like the way that the message translates Revelation 21.3. I heard a voice thunder from heaven. Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. God has always wanted to live with us. And in the new heaven and the new earth, he will. So you see, heaven isn't about where or what, but heaven is about who. We will live with God. And when it's all said and done, the good news is we will live eternally with God our Father in his home. I love the way my favorite preacher puts it, Dr. Fred Craddock. He says, our hope is the anticipation of uninterrupted and undiminished pleasure in the presence of God. Amen. Our hope is the uninterrupted and undiminished pleasure in the presence of God. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Father, the promise of the new heaven and the new earth just excites us. And for it, we give you unending praise. And oh, Father, we, we, we can't begin to put our minds around it. You, you, we can't begin to grasp it all. But we look forward to living with you and our family and our friends in the new heaven and the new earth. So, Father, help us to so look forward to it that we don't become discouraged by the sin in this cursed world. We do look forward. But, Father, we look back and we see a bloody cross and we see an empty tomb. And we know that everything you've promised is guaranteed. And we pray to you in the name of Jesus and all God's people said.